When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, folks. We're back here in the duck call room. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you're probably wondering why me and Johnny D are We're so sharing a microphone today. So close. <laughs> and, uh, you know, anyway, that's because we have a special guest in here. Look, if you have followed Duck Commander from the beginning, which I know a lot of y'all have, whenever he pans that camera over to the next side, you're going to recognize... The, the guy bis- sitting by side. Right, the biscuit maker. Who just so happens to be Johnny D's <laughs> uncle, <laughs> Mac, Mac Owen. Owen, no S, si. well, I'm, I'm here to educate you. There, There's no S on either one of their names. Oh, either my, either yeah, my, but either. my name has always been Owens. That's right, Owens. I guess you do have plausible deniability <laughs> if you keep it that way. No, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be. I don't know what y'all talking That's about. Right. <laughs> but we're honored to have Mac with us today. I ain't seen him in quite a while. I think the last time was when you come down and preached the sermon, you know, for Celebrate Recovery, which I enjoyed thoroughly. But has everything been in your world in Colorado? Excellent. You know, uh, there's not as many ducks. I live at 9,000 feet elevation. And so when I come down here, I got a lot of energy. And people are like, are you on vitamins or something? I said, no, I ain't on vitamins. Y'all got something we don't have, oxygen. (laughs) And so I'm breathing in every bit of this oxygen, and there ain't no ducks at 9,000 feet because they can't breathe up there either. I don't need to go to Colorado. No, you don't need to go up there. (laughs) You need another little two to oxygen. Just look in that backpack right there. Oh, there you go. Hey, I got to get that thing fixed. It's been on the... Uh Uh-oh. It's wacky now. I will tell you this. I I moved to this place in Colorado, and and when I went and looked at the property, they said it it had three lakes on it. And I, I went in there, and I looked, and I was looking around for these lakes, and I'm like, now, where are these lakes you're talking about? And they said, right there. I said, you mean in ponds? I said, no, no, we got lakes in Louisiana. You guys got ponds up here. So there's not a lot of water for the ducks. But my daughter decided that I needed a duck. So she found some rescue ducks. You ever heard of rescue ducks? No. No, well, I hadn't either. So she (laughs) brought them to to my house and she said, these ducks were at a park in Denver and the other ducks were being mean to them. So So, they rescued them. Yeah, so she brought them to me. I'm thinking... I'm going to make a gumbo out of them. This may not be a rescue. Right, this, no, this ain't going to be a rescue. This is going to be a meal. That's right. <laughs> okay. After grease, let's get a duck gumbo going, the, boys. That duck was being bullied by the other duck. The duck was being bullied. That's right. That's Colorado. In Denver. <laughs> in Denver. Yeah. yeah. At a park. The only thing I remember in Denver is we stopped over there one day, flying somewhere, and Willie was with us. I went to the restroom. And the next thing I know, I'm in the dark, okay, in a place I've never been in before. So I had to just feel my way around because he turned the lights out. It took me 30 minutes to get out of the bathroom. That's something Willie would do to somebody. Oh, no. No, yeah. Willie's still the same, Mac, in case you're wondering. Okay, it sounds like it. No, he ain't changed. Oh, I reckon so. Well, Mac, in case you hadn't noticed, everybody around here is getting long in the tooth. Yeah. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that. But, uh, you know. He's right there with us. I, I was going to say. 
You know, at 9,000 feet, you got to learn to walk up these mountains and back down. I tell you, walking up's a lot tougher than walking down. But I, I have a question for you. In, okay. In all sincerity. <clears throat> so you started hunting with Phil. What year? 1988. 1988. Now, was anybody in the blind allowed to laugh? Nobody was allowed to speak. <laughs> and the, hey, here's what, the first thing I said was, I'm sitting there in, in the duck blind, the first duck season. I'm sitting there like, uh, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to be able to say here, but it started raining. And the rain started hitting me right across the legs here. So I'm under the roof, but the roof is short. Yeah. And the rain's, um, and the first thing I said was, who built this mess? <laughs> Look, and Phil looks over at me like, you idiot, I did. And he didn't say idiot, but I saw it in his eyes. He said, I built it. You think you can do better? I said, oh, I know I can do better. Oh, yeah. So that started a long line of blind building right there. Yeah, Uh, and then that was plumb and square and all this good stuff, okay? Like like stuff that's supposed to be built. Phil ain't never squared nothing. Yeah, when I brought a level out there and a nail gun, he's like, what in the world is all that for? What are you doing? What are you doing? He said, hey, we got to square this thing up. Phil said, no, that's the last thing we want to do is square anything up right here. Oh, but but back in them days, it, it was serious business, wasn't it? Oh, it was serious business. Everything was serious from... You know, yeah, I won't even mention that. No, I can't go there. Yeah. But yeah, everything was serious. Yeah. Yeah. There's some stories best left untold right here, I guess. Now, hey, now I, I will say this too. Every year, the highlight though, because back then, duck season was only 30 days. I mean, that was it. So you had to get everything you could get in. And Cy was stationed somewhere in the world. And he would come in, he'd plan his hunting trips around, I mean, his, yeah. his leave around hunting. And so I'll never forget the time he came in from Alabama with a deer strapped to the hood of his truck. <laughs> Big 10 point. I'm like, we're like, where'd that come from? He said, well, I killed it in Alabama. I did. I had to bring it back. Everybody, everybody, when I was driving back, everybody in the world was looking to me. Now, there you, goes a true redneck. You drove a deer from Alabama to here on your hood? Oh, yeah. No, no. It was a buddy of me that I met in the Army. Okay. He, he lives in Alabama. He said, hey, come, come on hunting with me. I said, okay. So... He said, go up the hill there, and he said, you'll see some deer, you know, some bucks. So I sit down at the top of the hill, you know, pretty up there, you know, and I'm listening. I can hear deer walking, and I'm looking, you know. I can't see anything. All I can, I can hear them crunching the leaves. You know, finally then, hey, the biggest one, 14 point, he's already by me. <laughs> okay. Well, that made me mad, okay, because the biggest one slicked me. Well, then the next one I see, I see his antlers coming out of some uh, short pine trees, you know. Well, I just, when I throw up, he sees me and he takes off running. Well, just about the time I fixed the squeeze trigger, I had it on his shoulder. Well, he saw me again when I raised up, and he he started to turn. I pulled the trigger, and I popped him right here, just dropped him. Well, there was another one, you know. Ten point behind him. Here he goes. <laughs> okay, I was fixing to shoot him. Okay, and my buddy come up and he said, "Well, wait a minute, hold it right here's your deer." And I just you know put the gun down, and he went, "Oh, bad, mad move." I said, "Yeah, it was because I'd have killed that one for you." Yeah. <laughs> so, hey. We'll be back right after this. 
Martin, I like sharing a microphone with you. We're back on the Duck Call Room with tales from, I guess it was, it was the middle of Duck Commander. The 80s, boy. The 80s It was after, 90s. yeah, well, it was uh, Duck Commander 1 was the only one that had come out. And then we started hunting together right after that. Because you were on what? Duckman 2. 2. You were on more than that, huh? Or All of them. All after of them. that. 14, probably. The best yeah. one, I don't know if Mac will remember this, okay? Because we would, we would go way before daylight, get in the blind, throw the decoys out and all that stuff. You still do. Still do. <laughs> well, okay, but anyway. Somebody day, still does it, right? The day Somebody's would be it. going along, you know, and then, you know, Mac would say, okay, everybody ready for some biscuits and eggs and bacon and all this? Yep, we ready. So he would go in blind in the kitchen and, you know, go ahead and cook his breakfast. So, you know, we're, we're hearing it just the, the bacon sizzling and it's smelling good and all that. Well, hey. They said, hey, get ready. Here comes some wood ducks. Okay. So we got ready. That feels to cut them. You know, so one of them was way up there. I'm talking about the one I shot at. <laughs> you know, I, I just threw up. He was going over the, you know, coming off. I just, boom, folded him. Mac comes out of the kitchen with two plates with bacon and sausage and eggs and everything. Now, he's been back in the kitchen. Okay. And it takes a while to get out on the blind. I'd already shot and it'd been like probably. If you count it, probably a 12 count slow. <laughs> and when he walks out, it splashed. And Max said, boy, he must have been up there. <laughs> I said, he was. <laughs> and I said, I made a good shot on him, too. <laughs> okay. All right. So that, right. And so talking about long shots, you know, when, when, when Cy would come in from being on leave to come duck hunt with us for 30 days, you'd always wear that big wool trench coat because back then we didn't, we couldn't afford clothes nobody was giving us clothes and we had some pretty rough looking clothes and you wore that trench coat and and when it started raining that thing had to weigh like 100 pounds oh no but it was hey but it was warm because it was wool but it was soaking green, wet green od so the first day he's back, he's back in the duck blind, and you know the boys, and I mean Jason, them would be on that end. They'd always be trying to get something out of you. And, and there was a crane over there one day, and I'll never forget that crane was about I don't know about a hundred yards or something. They said, "Bet you can't kill that crane, Si." Yeah, up in the top of an old dead tree. And one of, them, uh, one of them big white ones that you put out in the decoys. You got one yeah. look like that, but it was a what? You know, and I kept telling them, I said, "Hey." You know, we would take the rifle in case we seen a deer. And I had my 30, uh, not 30, 30, I had my three, uh, 30 out six. <clears throat> you know, and they kept saying, I bet you can't hit that, that crane. Hey, before we get any further, aren't those, that a federally protected bird? <laughs> no, we no. didn't. Nobody ever killed a crane. No. <laughs> nobody ever killed a crane. They were just making sure. Okay. <laughs> no, because no, no. your words were, my mama taught me never to kill nothing I wasn't going to eat. That's right. Yeah. I kept telling him, I said, hey, look, y'all are trying to get, make me go against what my father and mother taught me growing up. But you said in the size of a dime at 90 meters, 90 meters, yeah. you could put three shells. That's right. Right, I, 90 meters. You kept stressing I, 90 meters. I said, hey, look, when I threw this rifle in, I said, I use a dime and I circle it. And then I put a quarter over that and circle it. Then I put a dollar, 50 cents piece over that and circle it. Then I put a dollar over that and circle it. And I said, and hey, at 100 yards. 90 meters, because you, know, you just came back from Germany. Yeah, I said, hey, I will put three 30-06 rounds touching each other. I said, so shooting that little old crane over off the top of that dead tree would not be any anything for me to do. Okay, so here was the line, though, after that. And you said, 
So don't make me do it. That's right. I said, y'all are going to Don't make around. me do it. That's right. Y'all going to fool around and make me kill that Don't train. make me do it. That's what you get. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how many times you said that. Well, we're but glad. But the moral of that story, the crane did leave there. He right? Did. He left there alive. Alive. I, he flew of his own volition. Yo, I, I, yeah, but right before, what happened was, is they said, they kept saying, I said, all right, y'all have done made me mad. I'm fixing to kill him. And when I said, I'm fixing to kill him, hey, he took off. I said, hey, he's been listening to us the whole time. <laughs> and I said, and when y'all convinced me to kill him, he said, I got to get out of here. <laughs> well, that's how that story say. ended. I'm glad, he flew I'm the coop. glad you didn't kill him. So. That's right. Yeah, well, no, no, nobody died that day. <laughs> I, I feel like I should be. Nothing was heard in the video. I feel like I should be paying to be here today. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is fantastic. Oh, no. Yeah, it's hey, amazing so. how, how much more detailed Max Stories about Cy are than what I, Cy Mac, I am going to have well, to hey, caution you on one thing. Pay attention to me. When you use words like volition, you just really stop <laughs> Cy. Like. He's the only one that would pay attention to me. All the rest of them just ignored whatever I said. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Mac, and I think Mac can testify to this. Like when you when Cy first started coming, he wouldn't say nothing. Right, like nothing. Camera go to him. He, well, no, no, because that's what most people don't understand about me. I am a shy person, really. Very quiet. Very, very quiet. quiet and very shy. Unless okay. commas and zeros are involved. Well, hey, no. I finally, <laughs> I, I finally, I finally, no, no. Yeah. I finally <laughs> run into the people I really wanted to run into. They had a lot of money. Yeah. And then, right, hey, yeah. that, changed, that, that changes my whole perspective on these cameras. Yeah. yeah, yeah the, whole, the first time, I, I had to figure Cy out because I came out. And by the way, he's talking about when Mike was in the kitchen. I was in the duck blind. Our duck blinds had these kitchen. full kitchens yeah. in there with a nice gas stove. I mean, you know, it was nice. Oh, yeah. That's oh, when we had a carpenter yeah. on staff. That's right. Oh, yeah. a carpenter. Right. A real, a real carpenter. Yeah, now they're benches okay. that were carved with yeah. chainsaws yeah. and a little hodgepodge yeah. roof on them. And See, they went back to it. Yeah, back to it. Yeah, reverted. Oh, no. Reverted. Oh, no. reverted. Oh, no. Yeah, he, just, when you left, the blind building, <laughs> it went down. And that was the, but with Cy, I had to figure out what he was saying to me because I said, hey, Cy, do you want a plate of food this morning? You know, no, no. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what is it? Then he no yeah, or no, yeah? Or yes. Yes or no. You, do you want something to eat or not? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. Oh, so one of my favorite sayings in all the, the Duck Commander videos is the famous spitting scene yep. where I think it was Mac, Burley, yep. Phil, and who was the other one? Uh, was it Jace? No. No, W.E., I think. W.E. on that? Or it I, may have been Big Boy. It may have been Burley's dad. Yeah. I been dead. Me and me and Burley and Phil were the three main spitters. That's right. I know that. And I had the longest stream. You guys can check it out. If anybody wants to go back to that That's scene. Right. This you ain't even a humble brag. Yeah. This, no, this is what it is. have a contest. Yeah. This is yeah. just okay. what it is. Oh, yeah. But look, I remember that when I first come in on leave. And they said, you had not seen the newest video, have you? I said, no, I hadn't. You know, so they put it on. And that's what that's. They just had it had it on that scene. That's all. That's all I saw. Yeah. It started, and fifteen fifteen minutes has gone by, and it's just Johnny D's pulling. The slow motion was the best. Yeah, I'm on the floor. Just I I couldn't stop. I said that's the craziest thing. I and everybody said yeah, but that's the favorite part of this. Oh yeah, that's what stands out. Who's idea was that? That was actually Phil's idea. Yeah. (laughs) 
Bill's the one that said we need to have a spitting scene, boys. And that's when we had uh, Gary Stevenson was the film guy, film guy, and we would have to literally carry out five gallon buckets of batteries because he had this 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 camera that was like three feet long. Oh yeah, look, and and the, the way it was, it was one of the deal talking about. Well, hey, y'all gonna have to you gonna have to get these ducks right here in this two foot in this two foot square. And everybody was getting fed up with all the filming. You know, everybody there. would say, "What do you mean we? You, why not you? You can't move the camera." He said, "No, I can't move the camera." And Jace, Jace, Mister Easy Going, yeah. was like back in the back. I can't stand this cameraman. <laughs> of course, the cameraman's over there with his headphones on, listening to everything. And Jace yeah. is like, "Yeah, I wish he'd just get out of here so we could hunt." <laughs> and all of a sudden, it comes over like a loudspeaker. Jace, you have the vision of a stick of margarine. Yeah. yeah. I wish we had that audio still because no, we no. need to replay that for him <laughs> yeah. during duck season. Oh, no. <laughs> he still forgets we're trying to sell duck calls around here. Yeah. He said, get rid of that cameraman. Yeah. See? That same deal, though. I mean. Yeah. And Jace was wanting to duck hunt. And every, but everybody flares ducks but them. Yeah. Oh, no, no. no. Phil and Jace. Yeah. They don't the see them. No, no. That's the ever. best part. Okay? That's the best part. <laughs> they always, when Jace brushes a blind, wherever I'm sat, that's where the most brush is. <laughs> okay, and they they look, and I'm standing up, and you can't see me. Nobody in the blind even knows I'm there because they can't see me. And he's flaring the ducks. And I'm flaring the ducks, and I'm saying, "Hey, uh, I got the little uh, uh, flash alert for you on the ends." I said, "Y'all need to stand up and look at where you're standing, and then look where I'm standing." I said, "There's only two open places in this duck blind." I said, I'd be on your end, Jason Robertson, and on your end, Phil Robertson. I said, the rest of us, all we can do is stick our gun out and hope we kill something when we shoot it. Because <laughs> we, we can't see the duck. Now, we did have a lot of fun with the cameraman, though. You know, after Stevenson was uh, uh, Greg Ebenet. Yeah. I'll never yeah. forget the day. So we're riding into the duck hole, and Greg decided it would be a good idea to ride with his legs over, over the front of the, the boat. Oh, yeah. boat. In the in, water. In the water. So he's dragging, feels back in the back, and all of a sudden, look, it was this quick, and Epinette's gone. We're like, good night. And all of a sudden, he comes you back can't over. Even see him. Yeah, he comes back over the side, yeah. though, and we're like, what happened? He he's said, back a in stop, the boat. a stop. So the stump cut him off in the shins, took him out. So, look, we get him back. He's soaking wet. He's underwater. All his gear is on. He's soaking wet. We get him back, and Phil had brought a bunch of clothes that somebody had given from Goodwill, and there was, like, these bags of clothes in the back. Well, there was a pink pair of coveralls in there. We don't know where they came from, but all of a sudden, Epinet comes out in this pink pair of coveralls onto the shooting porch, right? You remember that? Why were iPhones so late? Ah, <laughs> oh, that'd be a great picture. So let, to have. Let, me guess, let me guess what Phil said. What Phil said after that happened. What kind of idiot <laughs> right. sits on the front Turn of the boat with his with legs? His That's exactly water. what he said. That's exactly what he said. What kind of idiot? Oh, uh, well, look, <laughs> let's. I'm surprised it didn't kill him or either just cut his legs off. Oh yeah. Hey, this stump was this big around, and I mean, it, but he was like shot out of a cannon when it hit. <laughs> <laughs> gone. He was gone. He was gone. Yeah, you know, we didn't even see him. He was underwater. Mm. You know, then he come up and tell me, uh, we said, "Are you all right, Adam?" And he said, "Well, I guess." Boy, he pulled him pants up. Wasn't no meat on them shins. Oh, no, no. I, I just, yeah. And y'all, and 
Robertsons are known for being caring and nurturing oh, oh, yeah. after something nurturing. like that happens. Oh, nurturing so, is one of know, our strong I'm sure y'all took good care of Epp after that <laughs> yeah. happened. But, yeah. uh, well, let's take our next break, and we'll be back for more tales from the crypt, so to speak, right after this. Well, Mac, look, I, I think everybody that's listening needs to know, and if you don't know, Mac, you were essentially Phil Robertson's first business partner. I mean – Essentially, y'all bought the land together. Right. Like, if it hadn't been for you, it wouldn't have been that. <clears throat> so, how how's Phil as a business partner? I, I just, you know, how'd y'all's conversations go on decisions and stuff like that? I, I'm just curious. Well, <laughs> how the conversations went, you know, it was pretty much like, Owens, we need this land. I'm like, I agree, but we both have wives. He said, that's the problem. We got to figure out how to break it to them that they need this land. Yeah. So I'll never forget them. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we had yeah. me, me and Phil, you know, he was a little bit, uh, he'd been a convert a little bit longer than I had to Jesus. And so he was, now he wasn't any more couth. No, he, he was just, he'd been a convert longer. That's all it was. So, um, but, but, uh, we decided that since we're changing our lives to become new men, that we needed to take care of our women a little better. So we had one night a week, we had to have get out of yourself night. And that meant that anything the wives wanted us to do, had to we do. had to do it. So we would, you know, go yeah. have a meal together, go to a no. movie, whatever. Phil so agreed. actually, Phil Robertson, I have been to the movie theaters with him quite often. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It was pretty. Yeah, that that don't that don't. I promise I just got you. Nervous. There's not very many people that could say that. <laughs> no. And uh, so anyway, he said, "I'll tell you what, Owens. When we take him out this week, let's take him somewhere really nice." Whatever movie they want to go to, wherever they want to go to eat, in other words, and then we'll break really it to them. them up. Yeah, we got forty acres we need to buy, and that was a lot. Forty acres. Oh my goodness. Well, it actually went pretty good. We got forty, then we got one hundred and eighty from the sisters of Samoa somewhere. I don't know, some somewhere over there, and um, uh, Catholic Church. They they had the land. We bought it from them. We, they we had to write. He's pretty smooth. He wrote a whole proposal of our how we were going to be conservationists and take care of the duck population over there and only harvest the ones we needed. And they said, fantastic, Mr. Robertson, we'll sell that to you. So we bought that land. It ended up we had about a 1,000 acres over there, just like that. But here's, here's when it all made sense to the women. When a pipeline company said, we'd like to come across your land and we'll give you $13,000 to do it. And Phil said, no. That's when both of the ladies said, have you you lost your mind? idiot. Yeah, have you lost your mind? You're not going to take 13. He said, I can get more. Well, fortunately, Phil did hold out, and he got us a lot more and a bunch more pipelines. So after that, the women were all like, do y'all need to buy more land somewhere? Yeah. And actually, but no, no, what paid for the land? I'll tell you what paid for the land. We, we didn't want to cut a tree over there. And a, a timber company come in and said, if you take out a third of the timber, it'll make everything a lot better. The canopy will grow and all that. And so we, we said, okay, we'll do it. So a casket company from Mississippi bought all those trees to make oak caskets out of. So that's where the land was paid for after that. And then all the pipeline money was gravy after that. Hmm. That's incredible. And then, you no, no. Of course. And then you got to actually say, and then there's people that says, no, 
there's not a God in heaven. This is living. <laughs> this is living proof, okay, that two men, okay, that weren't worth shooting, okay, to begin with. And that's just being honest. That, that's, talking about you. No, no, I know, that's, that's correct. That's my uncle. That's just being honest. You watch uh, it. There's two brother, Owens in the house first. One of them that needs to bullet too, okay? But I'm just saying, okay, this is proof that there is a God in heaven, okay? Because for these two to get together and, and actually say, hey, we need to buy some land, and now we got to convince our ladies that we need this land, that they need this land. All it took was a trip to the movies. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm still yeah. trying to <laughs> process Phil in a movie theater. Yeah. Or, See, or out at dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm disturbed by it. I didn't know. That's incredible. No. F- so you and Phil used to be like a guy that would go like to the mall? Oh, look, Phil. We went to the movie at the mall. Willie invited Phil and Kay to his on birthday, birthday party. His the... 50th birthday party. And, 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 and they no-showed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, there you go. Si was the only Robertson there. Jace did right. make an appearance later. That was after yeah. he heard from across the pasture. Well, I don't know. He heard the band it. playing. Yeah. I was wondering what was going on. And all that. He just come over to check to see what was going on. Oh, that's oh. incredible, though. Yeah, I, I remember those stories about the casket and the pipeline. That's why I wanted Mac to tell it. Yeah. I mean, who better to tell it than a guy that got paid for it? Right. Yeah. You know, we could have told it, but it's not the same. So no. imagine... Now there are people that were buried in Phil Robertson and Mac Owens' trees. About five years ago, they could have really made a lot of money. That's right. We probably had Duck Commander caskets five years ago. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, you know, yeah, somebody or somebody brought the proposal to us and said we ought to make Duck Commander caskets. And we're like, yeah, probably, the truth no, it's a little too far them, there, but though, deep down, okay, they yeah. slick. No, no. Oh. No, deep right. down, they're actually good, big-hearted men, both of them. Well, yeah. But Uh-oh. If, if you'd tell Phil Robertson that, no, no, he, uh-uh, no. Because he would, he would call that weakness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, to actually have a tender moment with someone. <laughs> you know. Go to the movies at the mall. Uh-huh. Yo, what do you mean go to the movies? Duck Commander in the early 90s was a little different. Oh, but if you think about it, it was pure genius. The image, the tough persona. And they, then they were taking their wives to the movies at and the then, and, Yeah, that's right. It was on the same About 40 level. acres. It was on the same level as the spaghetti westerns. Yep. The good, bad, and the ugly. That was that was what it, that was kind of deal it was. I don't know if it was on that level. But oh yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it was. It was pretty. Yeah, it was. It was entertaining for us rednecks. Oh man. <laughs> well, let's take another break. We'll be back right after. So, Mike, look, we we've told a little bit of the past story about running around with this wild bunch and everything, but you say you're living in Colorado. How did how did you end up in Colorado? Did we run you there? Did the Robertsons run you smooth? To no, Colorado? no, no, no. That was I'll have to say. Look, I I got some. Uh, actually, Jay, your wife, she's an angel. You know that, right? Yes, sir. All right. So about uh, four months ago, I got a box after she had called me of Mayhaw muscadine jelly and some tomato relish and uh uh so they didn't run me off here i still that was the one of the hardest things for us to do in leaving here was leaving this family we were a part of because we really were family we um uh we did every everything together i mean it was uh, I, i'll never forget when 
I first became a Christian, I, like Sai said, I wasn't worth killing. I was straight out of the world, drug addict, and, and I, I became a Christian, and, and I didn't know what to do. But I heard this Phil Robertson guy at church was there, and, and he liked to share the gospel with people. So I went up to him one Sunday. I said, hey, I hear you like to share the gospel, share about Jesus, what he did in your life. Uh, if you could tell me how to do that, if you're going to share with somebody, just give me a call, and I'd love to come over. Well, no call for about three weeks. So I see him at church on Sunday morning. I said, hey, I thought y'all said this was like a family around here. Uh, I haven't got any calls, and I hear you've been on some, some Bible studies. What's the deal with that? And he said, hey, Jack, I'll call you. And so he leaves. He talks to Kay, and he said, I think that Owens is serious. <laughs> well, look, he called me about the next two days, and from there, it was three years of Bible studies with people every other night. And he would share the gospel, and I would, because he wouldn't ever give anybody verses. He'd just, just go. You know how when he gets the Bible out, it's on. And so I would write down all the verses he was sharing and give those to people when they left. And so from that, there was a bond, uh, a real family bond that took place. And, and we did more stuff as families together. For uh, I'll never forget riding in his uh, station wagon, the kind with the wood sides on it and the back seat that nobody wants to sit in because everybody's driving up from behind looking at you. We'd go places in that station wagon. We went to a, a men's uh, study or something. He's going to go share at this thing. So he goes over his past Shreveport. He goes over, shares the message, gets back in the car. We're riding down the interstate, uh, interstate 20, coming back to Monroe. And all of a sudden he just goes, dog crap. I'm like, dog crap. He said, Owen, you stepped in dog crap. I smell it. It's on your shoes. You stepped in dog crap. Don't ever, hey, Owen, don't ever leave a place without checking your shoes to see if there's dog crap before you get in a man's car. And I said, I don't think I stepped in dog crap. He said, check your shoes. I promise you, you stepped in dog crap. I said, okay. So I pull my shoes off in the front seat of the station wagon, and I smell it. Nope. No. Nope. I said, I ain't got dog crap on my it shoes. It ain't me. Yeah. Well, it ain't, that's what I said. It ain't me. So he said, look, he he wore them little slip-on like sneakers, remember? Yeah, yeah. A cloth thing. So he pulls off one. Nope. He pulls off the one. Oh, no, dog crap. Dog crap. Owens, I told you, don't ever leave a place without smelling your shoes first. Look, he cuts across three lanes of traffic. He's going, there's that first rest stop when you leave Shreveport. He cuts across three lanes of traffic. I know now we're going to die. We are gonna, he cuts across, goes into that rest stop. He stops right in front of a water fountain, goes out and starts washing his shoes out on the water fountain right there. I said, well, that's one way to get the dog crap off his shoes. He gets back in, wraps the shoe up in a tuff, puts it in the bag and said, Owens, I'm telling you, don't ever leave somewhere without checking your shoes to see if you got dog crap on them. <laughs> so anyway, no, the Robertsons did not run me to Colorado. They were one of the reasons that we didn't want to leave, but we had a lot of grandkids that moved up there with our kids, and I really always have loved the mountains. And so now I'm just in a different uh, stage of life. I'm hunting bigger animals and uh, and having having a blast. Hey, the Robertson didn't hinder him from leaving, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is dog crap don't bother him anymore. Uh, that's right. <laughs> they don't no more. Because he can't smell. Yeah. There you go. Uh, dog you crap, go. B.O., you name it. Doesn't really bother him. Uh, <laughs> well, I will say on the B.O. deal, you know, I mean, he convinced me when I first got here. He said, Owens, you don't have to wear deodorant no more. I said, you don't? He said, no. He said, I promise you. Uh, it's, it's manly. Do not wear deodorant. I said, 
all right, well, that's good. I'm thinking, you know, he's smelling pretty strong, but I said, I'll try it for a while. Well, my wife convinced me that I do need to wear deodorant. And she said, and everybody smells Phil, too, just so you know. But then when I moved to Colorado, I did find a place finally that you don't have to wear it because you, when you sweat up there, it evaporates before it ever stinks. Mm. Don't get musty. No. It's, it's no there musty. and it's gone. Yeah. yeah. But when I came back down to this level, Mary said, you packed your deodorant, right? You did bring your deodorant. <laughs> okay. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. So it's only in family that you talk about stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah. yeah we talk right. about it all the time. I've been told once or twice about needing more deodorant <laughs> from the stuff. <laughs> as recently as when I walked in, it was a hard morning at the hey, Honey Hole. But everything I say is out of love. That is Johnny true. Does. But that is, that is cool just to hear the story of Mac and Phil becoming friends because the number of people y'all have impacted from driving down, talking about dog crap, you know, to – all the f- people Phil preaches to and stuff. And you, so you're the national director of Celebrate Recovery. Is that the correct? I don't want to mess Global. up. Global. Global director. Global. Global. My bad. Whoa. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uni- universal director. Enough, oh, they director. changed it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll do what I keep doing. So what do you, what do, you do with Celebrate? Give, give everybody a little insight. Well, <clears throat> Celebrate Recovery is a ministry for anybody with a hurt hang up or have it. And I'm trying to figure out who doesn't have one of those. We all do. So basically what we do is go around to churches all over the world and share with them how they can invite people into the church that they should have been inviting in already. The people that Jesus hung out with, the people that were the worst of the worst, the people that didn't have anywhere else to go. I mean, one of my favorite stories is about the woman at the well. And when uh, Jesus went out of his way to go to a well to wait on a person so that she could come and she would be the first convert in Samaria, and then he would ask her to go tell everybody. And she said, oh, I'm going to tell everybody who you are. And then it says, because of her testimony, many came to know Jesus Christ. And so what we do is just go and share uh, on any given weekend. We uh, Until COVID hit, we were doing two seminars a month all over the world. Now we're doing a, one a month, but we're getting back to a lot more in-person stuff. And when we go to a church, uh, before COVID, it was anywhere from 1,200 to 1,400 people would show up. And to me, that's a great sign of churches because these were all leaders from churches all over the place in that area where we went. They were coming to learn how they could invite those very people into the church that Jesus was waiting on. And so that's what I do. I just share with people about how to. Uh, God only uses broken people, and we're looking for broken people. Well, there's plenty of them out there. Yep. No shortage. No, sir. That's what I've still got a few things. That's what what's so amazing about it. I got some broke parts myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't we all? Everybody's got them. But that's what that's the most amazing part of it, okay? Is that hey, you think one person may not make a difference? They can. Yeah. The power is in the message. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Not the messenger. You you change you've changed your lifestyle, okay? So does Phil Robertson. Okay. Both of you is going down the wrong path, just like I did. I had to change my lifestyle. <clears throat> and then it's it's totally amazing what God can do with a broken person. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Amen. That's right. So, Mac, if our if our listeners want to learn more about Celebrate Recovery, where where can they go to? www.celebraterecovery.com, or just type in Celebrate Recovery in your search engine up top and press search, and it will come up. You'll find it. Yep. All right. That's cool. Well, let's take our last break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Guess what? What? We got a letter in the mail from a little girl named Leah. Leah, the our guest, Leah. Yeah. Yes. That's if right you right recall, here. oh, she was she awesome. Sat that got on me about I couldn't call duck. <laughs> so she <laughs> sat in that chair right where Max sitting. This is a little girl. She's what? She was what? Eleven. It was her eleventh birthday. They came from Maryland. She wanted to come to West Monroe, Louisiana, for her birthday. And come to Duck Commander. Wow. Well, their car got broke down. Well, they ran into a dog. Big Big dog. Busted up the radiator. Went across the street here. My buddy Brad is a mechanic. Well, he couldn't get the part in for about three days. Long story short, he calls me. He said, look, this little girl is from Maryland. She's a hunter. You're not going to believe how good she can blow a duck call. All she wanted to do was come to Duck Commander for her birthday. They drove all the way from Maryland. So we meet her here and get to talking to her, and she is sharp as a tack. And then she got that duck call, and it was yeah. one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Wow. So so we we tried to set up a little duck call competition between her and Si. So I didn't go for it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, she sent us a letter and some T-shirts with the University of Maryland and uh, some hats over there. She said, hey, guys, this is Leah. We're just checking in. I'm sorry I haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> After my family watched the podcast, my mom and brother wanted to go duck hunting. So we took my brother hunting, and hopefully mama can go next season. Well, she goes on to talk about how many ducks they killed, and uh, she says she didn't get a deer, but hopefully she'll get one next year. Daddy bought her a uh, compound bow. But anyways, we get to the end here. Um, she said, right now I'm still in Delaware enjoying the outdoors. Thank you again for making my 11th birthday the best. Keep killing those ducks, exclamation mark. P.S. Congrats, Martin, on your baby twins on the there way. There you go. And P.S.S. Uncle Si, your duck calling is great. I was just pulling your leg. <laughs> <laughs> Much love. This goes to show Leah. you 11-year-olds can be dishonest. Too. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and, and we also got a letter from Sawyer. Oh. I, I pulled up here. You know, and it was a day to do the podcast. I pulled up here, and there's... Some fans in a van, you know, and uh, as soon as I got out, grabbed my, my tea and my this and my oxygen and started walking in. This eight-year-old kid, and he's a pill, okay, jumped out and said, uh, hey, can I be on your podcast? I said, come on. <laughs> you know, so we come walking in, and I said, hey, guys, we got a guest today. Go ahead and sit down where you sitting right now. He was a tobacco so, farmer. Oh, he man. was a pill now. Tobacco farmer. Oh, yeah. Tobacco that farmer. Right? From where? From uh, uh, Clarksville, Tennessee. And we also got one from <laughs> Elon from Tupelo, Mississippi. Okay? <laughs> so that covers everybody that wrote in to us. All right. Well. Uh, and Sawyer, I'll be calling you. That that does cover them. Sawyer sent us some pictures, too. So yeah, he did. That's okay. a good time to remember it by. But uh, Johnny D, what, what's in that mailbox? Microphone sharing episode. This has been fun, Martin. Um, no, so we always do hello at Duck Call Room. If you got anything, send it on, send it in. I read every one of them. Some of them make it on. 
I try and do the best I can to respond to some. But it always is weird when I get some and we have a guest and it's just like, wow, this was perfect. And Mac's here today. And Mac, you might be the perfect person to answer this one. So Daniel from Nova Scotia, Canada, Canada. I'm married with two young boys at the ages of four and almost two. Congratulations. Uh, But he's struggling with drugs and alcohol. He tries to make sure his boys have a roof over their head and food on table, but I've dug myself into this hole and I'm struggling to get out of it. I myself think I believe in Jesus, but when I down and pray for help, I end up back to where I started. My question is, what else can I do to help myself? It's ruining my relationship with my wife and I'm lost and not sure what to do anymore. I just don't want to end up back where I am now. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. You bet. Daniel, I got a ringer in here for you for advice. Daniel, first of all, you cannot do it alone. Second of all, you won't end up maybe losing your family or making it worse for them. You'll lose them entirely if you keep on this road. So I don't want to leave it there because there is hope and there's big hope. There are celebrate recoveries all over Canada. You look it up and on the when you get to the website, you're going to find a place that says Group Finder up in the top right-hand corner. You click on that. You'll find a group in your area. There'll be phone numbers that you can call. And besides that, John David, if you'll give me his email. Yeah. Uh, not on the line, on the air, of course. Uh, but if you'll send that to me, I'll make sure and contact you, uh, Daniel. Find out where you're at, and I'll find you a group in your area. Wow. There's hope. There is hope. <laughs> that was a big-time answer. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah, I've got it right here. I'll, I'll email it to you afterwards. Perfect. But, um, yeah, Daniel, I'd just say. Uh, and if, thanks for, uh, I appreciate him being vulnerable enough to oh, yeah. Yeah, we share get, that. We get a lot of heavy emails. Um, and, and when I read that one, I was like, if, if you weren't here, I was going to mention, like, I had family that's gone through it, and I now have family that helps out tremendously with it through Celebrate Recovery. But I think the key thing you hit on there, no matter what we're struggling with in life, can't do it alone right whether it's any sin at all if you think you're going to fix it by yourself a you need jesus and b you need community around you and that's kind of what mac was hitting right on there. perfect Sai, you got anything yep i just read a book stone had it in his office it's called narrative okay and it's written by cecil someone i can't remember his last name carter <clears throat> carter yeah okay but anyway <clears throat> he talks about are you aware of God's presence in your life? Okay. And all these stories we've been listening to me and Mac tell a while ago, God was always there. Okay. So, Daniel, you need to be aware. Okay. I'll ask you a question. What do you know about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? And what do you believe about them? Check that out. Okay, and that'll help you. Okay, because like all of us, we've all been broken. Okay, and that's when Jesus does his finest work. Mm. Okay, you've got to be broken. I got chill bumps all over me. You've got to be broken so you'll listen to him. Okay, there's nothing that Jesus Christ can't overcome. Nothing. Okay, he's the creator for crying out loud. So, hey. Turn to him, my man, and, and, hey, keep your focus on him. And what Sai just said was that we all need a father, and we have a father that's looking after us. Daniel, them boys of yours, they need a father. Yeah. They need you, and they need you on top of your game. And you can do it, brother. I know you can do it. 
Man, that was a good one. Um, all right, we got time for one more. Um, buddy. His name is Buddy. He's not my buddy, but we could be buddies. I don't know. He's uh, from Mineral Wells, Texas, and this one's probably a good one for Mac to be here too. Um, a little over a year ago, he took a job on a very large ranch, and he moved far from friends and family. After 15 months, that job wasn't something he was helping him grow, and he, he remembers just feeling left at, feeling like he didn't have purpose and crying out to God to show him where to go. After that, a few days later, he ends up talking to another guy, gets a job interview, and he's accepted a job uh, moving again. Um, he feels like it's the right move, and he's starting it towards the end of May, but he's starting to get cold feet. Um, he feels like it's what he needs to do, but he's, he's just asking, you know, is there any advice on taking a leap and make, making a move and facing uh, a little bit of fear in the unknown. And this is Buddy? This is Buddy from right. Mineral Wells, Texas. Yeah, I'll tell you what you do, Buddy. My wife and I moved to Colorado. We did not know anybody where we moved. Our kids lived out there, but they didn't live. They lived two hours away from us. So the very first thing we did when we got to the community we were moving to was got online, found the churches in that area. I looked at a church that I thought, hey, I might really resonate with this church right here. So I went to that church. They became part of our church, our family now, and we've been that church for 10 years. But we would not have made it. Again, it's back to we can't do this alone. If it's if you're struggling with something in life, if you're moving off by yourself, whatever, God made us to live in community. And so when you get wherever you're going, you get online. I mean, with start right now. You can get online and see other churches there. And the first Sunday you're there, you go find that church and you show up and you keep showing up. I tell everybody, don't show up just one time and say, well, I didn't like that. You know, give it at least six tries, wherever you go. Give it six tries. I guarantee you this. We, You know, they'll have a misery back guarantee. You can have your misery back if you don't like that church. You can always go to another church, right? <laughs> misery back guarantee. Misery back. And hey, know this. Misery loves company. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm serious. That's why, hey, this deal about, hey, if you can't do it alone, right? then, hey, Open your mind and go look for help. Get help. Yeah. Everybody needs help every once in a while. Yeah. Okay. You can do this, buddy. This That's is it. a matter of just looking for that church, find it, and sticking with it. And I guarantee you, you can find family. If you, if, you know, Here's what I know. The people that are family of mine, first of all, they are followers of Jesus Christ, and that instantly makes us family. You know, and when I find those people, I find people that like doing the same stuff I like doing, and that's the people I hang around. <laughs> Duck yeah. hunting was one of those things. And right. it's always exactly. easier when you have people that surround yourself with people of like minds. Hey, this is this about over? Can I do one more little short story? Yeah. Okay, so I ain't telling you nothing, Uncle. Okay, well, I moved to I moved to Colorado. I'm out in the national forest. I live three miles off the main road, so I have to plow three miles to get out and to come back in during the winter. So I'm plowing one day, and this guy comes by me in a truck, and he stops, and he stops my tractor. He's like, you know, hey, stop the tractor. I stop, and he said, hey, you see my dogs come across your place, and I'm like. I'm thinking, first of all, I don't know you or your dogs, and what are your dogs doing on my place? And I said, uh, no, I don't guess so. What kind of dogs were they? He said, they're blue ticks. I said, hound dogs? He said, yeah, hound dogs. I said, what are you hunting? He said, mountain lions. He said, you are Mac Owen from West Monroe, Louisiana, ain't you? I said, 
yeah, and who are you? He said, I'm Willie Treeshell from West Monroe, Louisiana. I'm like, get out of here. Well, come to find out, we were almost family. I knew all his family and everybody, his his, his sister went to church with us here. And, and, and so it was amazing that in that moment, I connected with somebody just because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I knew that we were going to have a good, and now me and Willie and his son Cole and the whole family, we hunt together up there in, in Colorado. Uh, but it was all about connection. And it was all about getting together with other fellow believers and knowing just because Jesus made the difference that we're family immediately. That's awesome. Well, anything, Martin? Send it. All right, we end everyone on a Bible verse. You got one? Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in each one of us will carry it on to completion, completion date when Jesus Christ comes back. Last time I checked, Jesus sitting back, so that means all of us got work to do. Let's keep about the work that Jesus has for us, each one of us. We got a job, and we love doing it. Uncle Mac, thank you for being with us. Thank you for sitting in my chair. That was a way better episode because you were here. See y'all next time on the Duck Call Room. <laughs>